Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. We're going to dive in. Lord, I pray for your presence. I pray that you speak this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to start a new series. We're calling it The Family Tree. Yesterday, we went out and we uh, cut down the family tree, but that's not what we're talking about here today. We're talking about the family line of Jesus. What can we learn from the family of Jesus? So uh, it is December. It is officially the holiday. Oh, tithes and offerings. Amen. All right, Lord, I pray your blessings over the tithes and offerings. I had everybody just waving money at me. I'm like, I'm doing really good here. No, uh, Lord, I pray your blessings over it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, uh, it is December. It's officially the Christmas season. Uh, I like the Christmas season. Emily, my wife, is nuts about the Christmas season. It's constantly Christmas music and Christmas movies, especially the Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, um, which um, she would watch these every single day if she could. And I don't know why, because they're all the same. And by all the same, I mean equally terrible. Yeah, you, you, you watch one and you're like, there's no way the next one is going to be that bad, but then it is. It, it's the only genre of movies where every one of them is worse than the others. I don't even know how it works, but it does. But she loves Christmas music. She loves Christmas movies, uh, and she loves to buy presents for her kids. She just loves that, that joy on their face when they get presents. So I find myself all the time kind of talking her off the ledge and saying, the kids do not need more gifts. They don't need anything else. But then what happens is I go to the store and I see something nostalgic, something that reminds me of when I was a kid. And I say, they might need one more thing, but nothing else <laughs> after that. Um, last week it was, uh, I saw Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Who remembers Rock'em Sock'em Robots? If you don't, you are deprived, okay? Uh, another one I saw recently was Hungry Hungry Hippos. We didn't buy those. One that we did get a few years ago was the game Guess Who? I love the game Guess Who, um, but the intent of the game, in case you've never played, is uh, you are trying to discover what card your opponent has by asking uh, questions like, does your character have glasses, do they have brown hair, blue eyes, things like that. Now this morning, if we were playing Guess Who regarding our sermon topic in the family line of Jesus, it would seem really easy uh, because we're talking about someone in Jesus' family, someone in the book of Luke and the gospel of Luke chapter 1. We're talking about someone who had a miracle pregnancy, who had a divine pregnancy. It was such a miracle that God had to send an angel to the husband to say, hey, it's true, your wife is pregnant, you don't have to leave her, uh, your baby is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, your baby is going to be a source of great joy, there will be rejoicing all over the earth because of the birth of your child. Now, m most of us, based on just deductive reasoning, would say, okay, this morning we're talking about Mary, a divine pregnancy filled with the Holy Spirit, all these things, but uh, actually there's someone in Jesus' family who fits this description perfectly as well, not just Mary, and that's her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth also had a divine pregnancy, a miracle pregnancy, because she was way beyond childbearing age. Uh, and the angel Gabriel said to her, your child will be filled with the Holy Spirit. It will be a source of great joy and rejoicing for all people. So Luke uh, chapter 1 actually precedes the birth of Christ with the birth story of John the Baptist. And it talks about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we're going to talk this morning about 
specifically Zechariah. Uh, it's this miracle pregnancy again. And what I want to do uh, is I want to look specifically at when the angel appeared to Zechariah. And uh, the angel said, hey, your wife is going to have a baby. How did he respond to that? So this morning we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. For the sake of time, we're just going to skip around a little bit. Uh, but you can go back and read this uh, on your own time, the whole thing in Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will re rejoice because of his birth. Now, uh, this is where we're going to kind of pick up in verse 18. It says, Zechariah asked, asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And I just want to point out the wisdom of a man who's been married a long time because he re refers to himself as an old man, but he does not say, but, and my wife is an old woman. He says, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years or well advanced in years. And I heard this week chronologically gifted is another way that, that you might want to say it. Uh, but not only is Zacharias or Zechariah righteous, he's also wise. We get to verse 19. It says, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. So there was something in Zechariah's response that caused the angel Gabriel to say, because you have responded this way, you're going to be silent until the words that I have spoken to you are fulfilled. Until this child is born, you will not speak. And what's interesting, as we're going to look at next week, is Mary has a similar response when the same angel visits her. Uh, angel tells Mary that she's going to have a, a, a baby. Now, Zechariah, remember, said, how can I be sure of this? In Luke chapter 1, 34, this is Mary's response. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? So she also questions the angel to some degree. But she didn't get in trouble like Zechariah did. She didn't lose her ability to speak. You know, she was just blessed and highly favored. So uh, it actually kind of makes me feel validated in my parenting uh, because sometimes I'm told I treat Haley a little different than the boys, uh, and I, I can't deny that. Just a, a quick example, we took them to the zoo last year, uh, and we went to the zoo, and the lion came right up to the plexiglass. I actually took a picture of it. I mean, it was right in our face, and the boys started roaring at the lion, and they're roaring, and a crowd starts to form, but not for the lion, because my kids were roaring at it. So finally I said, guys, stop roaring at the lion. And as soon as they stopped, Haley started roaring at the lion. And I said, Haley, wait, mama's got to get the video ready. <laughs> so I wish I were making that up, but I'm not. Uh, so I think I'm a little justified in that because the angel Gabriel says uh, to Zechariah, you're going to lose your voice. But to Mary, he says, you're blessed and highly favored. But actually, as uh, you would guess, there's a little more going on in this story. So I can't really validate my parenting deficiencies in this. 
Uh, in fact, if we read verse 19 again and we finish, it says, The angel said to Zechariah, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. So the core issue happening with Zechariah here is that Zechariah didn't believe. Now, if we go into the original language of what we're talking about, it's a word that we've mentioned many times. It's the word pistuo, and what it means literally is to have faith, to trust, or to believe. It's the same word used in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, without faith, without this belief, it is impossible to please God. So what the angel Gabriel is saying to Zechariah is you're going to lose your ability to speak until this promise is fulfilled. The reason you're going to lose your ability to speak is because you have not believed. You do not have faith in what I've just told you. Now, if we dig a little deeper into Zechariah's initial response to Gabriel, what we find is this lack of faith is actually a little more blatant. It's a little more prominent. If we go to verse 18 again, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Now, I highlighted that because that's just one word in the original language. It's the word gnosko, and what it means is to have resolute and certain knowledge. In other words, what's happening uh, as we dig deeper is Zechariah's question uh, is not interested in faith. He's not interested in, in believing or, uh, or trusting. What he's interested is, if you're telling me this, I want proof. I want certain concrete knowledge that what you're saying will come true. And Gabriel says that's not how it works. You can't take faith out of our faith. You can't remove faith from faith. Faith is not determined by what you can prove. Faith is determined by what God has spoken. Now, the natural tendency when God speaks something to us uh, is to say, can you give me certain knowledge that what you are calling me to do will not fail? But church, it doesn't work that way. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by what we can prove or what we have certain knowledge of. In other words, if God is calling you to something, if the Holy Spirit is leading you into something, what, what's natural is in our minds to begin to kind of com uh, compute a list of pros and cons, uh, to, to begin to think, if God is calling me to do this, what are the odds of my success? And if I know that I can be successful in what he's calling me to do, then I'll obey. Then I'll have faith. If only I could be sure of the outcome, but that is not how it works. Your obedience is not even connected to the outcome. Your obedience is not dependent upon the expected outcome or the odds of success. Your obedience to God is based upon his word to you. When God speaks, you act. Uh, seven years ago, Emily and I felt called to, to plant a church in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, a place we'd never been, uh, a place I had never heard of, a place, a place we had no pre-existing ties to the community or no jobs waiting. Uh, but we could not base our obedience on the odds because in the natural, the odds were certain failure. But can I tell you, church, when God calls you to something, it's no longer in the natural. When God calls you to it, it is instantly supernatural, so your odds change. Excuse me. It is now supernatural. You do not calculate your odds of success and then say, I'll be uh, uh, obedient based on that. 
I don't want us to forget how Zechariah is introduced to us. The Bible says he's a priest. He's a professional believer. He's a righteous man. But what exactly does that mean? We're going to look in chapter uh, 1, verse 6. It says, Zechariah and Elizabeth, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. What does that mean? Observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Translation of that, they followed all the rules really well. And I want to be clear that that should not be discounted or that should not be diminished. It is not a bad thing to walk in holiness and righteousness. The Bible tells us that both him and his wife, Elizabeth, uh, were righteous before God. That's a positive thing, and we should not diminish that. However, when we look at the whole picture, what we find is a professional believer, someone who is really good at following the rules, but struggles in moments when it comes to stretching his faith. He doesn't want to have faith. He wants to have certain knowledge. In church, it is not one or the other. You are not called to simply follow the rules, but never step out in faith. Some of you might be really good at following all the rules of Christianity, but when God calls you to stretch your faith, you shrink back. If that's you this morning, you're walking in half of the Christian journey. God can't prove his faithfulness to you until you take steps that require faith, that require trust and belief. If you ever limit your faith, to following this moral standard. It's only half of Christianity, church. Now, conversely, on the other side of that, you are not called to live by a radical faith that disregards morality. It's not either or, it is both and. And uh, this is what we kind of find in Zechariah. It's a righteous man, a good man, a man who, who was able to follow the law really well, but he struggled at times and moments that called for great faith. Now, everything that I've just said right now it's true, it's biblically true, but contextually, it's not exactly what's happening with Zechariah, and I'll explain what I mean. Zechariah did not struggle with having faith in what he could do for God. Zechariah struggled with having faith in what God would do for him. Uh, in truth, the, the faith that God is seeking here from Zechariah is one that I think every single one of us, including myself, would struggle with, and I'll explain why. Again, let's kind of look at the whole picture. What does Gabriel begin by saying to Zechariah uh, in Luke 1, uh, verse 13? It says, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now I want to consider the facts. Elizabeth is way beyond childbearing age. Uh, if you have ever been down the road of struggling with infertility, if you've ever been down that road of, of struggling to conceive a child, you know that it is a long and a very hard journey. It's one of the hardest things that you can go through on this earth because what happens in that journey is your hopes get raised over and over only to be dashed over and over. There are moments where you're saying, hey, I might be pregnant. And you can imagine this with Elizabeth and Zechariah. She's saying to Zechariah, I think I might be pregnant only for those hopes to be dashed over and over. And what happens is Zechariah and Elizabeth go through that journey their entire life until they're at the point of no longer being at childbearing age. Now what happens at that moment is you kind of close the book on those prayers. You, you say, I prayed for children. We see right here he prayed for children, but it was to no avail. 
they kind of come to that moment where they say, I, I guess those prayers are just going to go unanswered. Those hopes are unfulfilled because those years are behind us. And to an extent, they make peace with the fact that they're just not going to have children. Now, on the bright side of that, if you want to call it a bright side, they don't face the letdown anymore of getting their hopes up only to be dashed once again. Now, consider what the, the angel Gabriel is saying here. He's saying, God actually did hear your prayers. He actually did hear your prayers. And even though those days are behind you, you are going to have a child. Elizabeth is going to become pregnant. And he's saying to Zechariah, can you have faith in this? Can you trust me in this? Can you believe me in this? And Zechariah saying, no, I don't want to reopen those wounds. I don't want to have faith in something that caused so much pain. So he says to the angel, you tell me how I can know this. Tell me how I can know this for certain because I don't want to open those wounds again just so, so I can be hurt again. Church, there might be promises that you have held on to in your past that you have just closed the door. We cannot put a period where God put a comma. And if God begins to call you, call you to hope again and to believe again and to have faith again, we don't say, God, prove it. God, give me certain knowledge. If he's calling us to things even that have caused pain in our past, we serve a faithful God and we can say, God, I trust you even in the hard and painful things in life. I will trust you. We give God access to every part of us. Now, next week, we're going to look in depth at Mary, but I just want to look at something that takes place in Luke chapter 1. Again, Mary visits Elizabeth, and at this moment, they're both pregnant. And I want to read what Elizabeth says when she saw Mary, beginning in verse 39. It says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is your child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? And as soon as, she, as, soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, still Elizabeth speaking, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed? What was it that Zechariah struggled with when the angel appeared? The angel said, you're going to lose your voice because you have not believed. He struggled to believe in God's promise. Now, if we finish verse 45, what is it that Mary believes in? Elizabeth says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So what we have is a side-by-side -side comparison of a professional believer a righteous man who works for the temple, who struggles to believe God for promises that require great faith. And then we have Mary, and what she is exalted for in Scripture by Elizabeth is saying, blessed are you because you believe God and you believe him for his promises even when they are hard to believe. Uh, Mike, I don't know where you are, but if you want to come up. Uh, as we close, I want to go back to Zechariah, and I want to look at what happened to him because of his lack of faith. The Bible says he was silenced until the promise was fulfilled. Now, I want to just pose the question, why was Zechariah silenced? And here is the profound truth. 
We don't know. But because I'm standing here, I'm going to give you my opinion. I don't share my opinion too often, but uh, when I do, I'm just telling you this is your pastor's opinion, okay? That's established. Faith and doubt have one thing in common. They are both contagious. And maybe you really struggle with your faith in some places, and there's no shame in that. But don't make it your goal to drag as many others down in your doubt with you. It would be better for you just to remain silent than to pull others down in your faith. We do not want to be people known for having contagious doubt. We want to be people who are known for having a contagious faith, a faith that ignites the faith in others, a faith that says, I stepped out and I trusted God. He was faithful to me. You can do the same. He was faithful in his promises to me. He'll be faithful in his promises to you. Zechariah was so verbal in his doubt and his questioning, maybe it was just better for him to be silent than to transfer that doubt onto the rest of his family. So he just got to be silent for nine months. I don't know, that's my opinion. All right. Can you guys stand with me this morning? strengthen our faith to take that step. That we would not be a people who rely on knowledge and certainty, but we rely on our faith in your word. So even as Mike leads us this morning, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name, church, just take a few minutes. We recognize this morning that you are the way maker. Okay, well, that's, that's good, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, have a good week. Hey, grab an a angel tree tag on your way out. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.